Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Mike Boris and this is Straight Talk. You gotta be very careful. the world title in front of my family, my friends, 60,000 people in Melbourne. And if I didn't have a good grip on who I was and didn't understand what it was that I was fighting for, I would have fallen. UFC middleweight champion Robert Whitaker. It's a tough industry to have a day off. (laughs) Everyone has bad days, but my bad days look a little worse. (laughs) More than anybody else. I'm not a championship fighter, I'm not a thing, I'm a warrior. And this is what I do to provide for my family. And that's the identity that I have. This is one thing that I think the fans don't see. If you if you take me away from my family, I've lost half the edge. As someone who's fighting at the, the pinnacle of, of the game, you're always looking for edges. What could I be doing to make me better? Rob Whitaker, welcome to Straight Talk, mate. Thanks for having me. Been a long time trying to get you here. No, sorry, mate. Sorry. That's all good, all good. Now we're just talking. Like, uh, it's funny. You got, uh, you got now. You got three boys yep. and one daughter mm-hmm. and one on the way. Yep. When's the one on the way, due? January. January. And uh, do you know what it is? A boy or a girl yet? A girl. A girl. Uh, a girl. Another girl. Yes. Yeah, so have... yeah, three boys and two girls. What's so the balance like in your family? Like, uh, I mean, I've only ever had four boys, and I got three. I'll have three grandsons within a week. Um, what's that like? Um, oh, honestly, I'm happy for another girl because my, my daughter's been asking for a little sister oh, since day dot, right? But seeing the three boys interact with each other, boys and girls, they just act differently. Like like the girls eating a breakfast, nice and neat, like trying to be respectful. <laughs> and the boys are chasing each other with sticks and swords. Like even the youngest, he's only, he's only about turning three next year and he's chase he's starting to like just pick up you know the kids just pick up things they're picking up off their older brothers now just like oh they're chasing each other with sticks and he's chasing each everyone else with sticks and does but he doesn't understand his own strength yet and what, what are you young. doing that right did you like you, i mean I, i'm just trying to think about what i used to do because you know my four boys were just crazy but um you know like they always seem to be getting hurt i mean there's always an injury someone's mm. always falling down the stairs or uh one, one boy <laughs> yeah. turned the heater and burn all his hair off his head one time <laughs> Uh, but what do you do? Like, are you sort of present, like, like in terms of being there and the discipline sort of stuff, or are you oh, leaving that to the mum? Oh, it, it's hard, and and I'm sure you understand that there's a there's like a dichotomy in the family life. There's like a system in place, and one's the disciplinary 
person and one's like the fun one, but it, it, it is a hard balance. And I understand that every family is different. I'm, I'm like the fun one that rolls them up just before bed, right? Yeah, <laughs> getting told just so they won't go to sleep. Yeah, getting getting told off with the kids along with them, right? But Rob, you go to bed. <laughs> yeah, like I'm just making everything harder. But when when they step out of line or they do something they shouldn't be doing, it's it's me that gets the call, or yeah. it's like I'm going to tell daddy, and then they switch on, sort of thing. It's uh, yeah, I'm 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 kind of. I am the enforcement when it needs to be, but yeah. I'm also a little bit more relaxed because I grew up, so my wife grew up with a sister and I grew up with my brother and with, with my dad, um, single household. So it was a house of boys. So my mentality with the kids is a little different than hers. So when the boys are chasing each other with sticks, that, that to me doesn't seem out of this world because they're just, they're just being boys or if they're throwing things around or kicking stuff for no reason, absolutely no reason. It's boy stuff. You know, obviously I'm not letting him go around kicking the house down. And I go, John, stop kicking things. <laughs> but my wife's like, why does he kick things at a time? So I, I try, I try to explain it to her the other day. I go, babe, I think about kicking things all the time as well. <laughs> Yeah, still, <laughs> still, like yeah. to this day, I think I could probably kick that door shut, like yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I'm old enough to hold it back. Whereas the 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 kids, the boys, they 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 think about it like, yeah, I'll do that. Like they don't even it doesn't even cross their mind to not do it. It's, it's just a natural like, instinct. Yeah, can I do it? Yeah, and I and I can and I will. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I tell you, when my boys were a little bit older, so and uh, one time I had to go to a. Like a, a fancy dress thing, and which I hate. But anyway, it was a party thing, and I said to my wife, I was married at the time, and I said to her, "Look, we'll both go. We'll get a hire a nanny. Like you know, you can bring up some place to hire a nanny or something like that, and she'll come in and mind the kids. And we were just not very far away, we were just a few streets away, and um, at eleven o'clock, so all, the the boys all slept in the same room together. There was four beds for all boys, and uh, but only three of them were there, the three younger ones, and um. At midnight, we got a phone call, and the nanny said, uh, "You got to come home." She said, "I'm leaving. I, I can't stay any longer." And I said, "Well, what's going on?" And uh, I said, "Well, if you stay here at a party. I'll go. I'll go back." What had happened is that um, she was a bit timid, and uh, the boys had got the, one of the single mattresses off the bed, and they were up on the top level, like on the. On the it was a two-story house, and they opened the uh, balcony doors and she was sitting down in the lounge room watching TV, which is where she was sitting is right below the balcony and uh, watching television quietly. And she thought everyone was in bed asleep. And then they got the mattress and they pushed it over the balcony and it fell straight down right where she was right next to her and frightened the absolute shit out of her. It would have. And uh, it would have frightened me too. And uh, <laughs> yeah. and I actually thought, you know, stupidly, I thought, oh, that's pretty funny, you know, like uh, pretty funny. Like I thought, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was pretty funny. Like it was a good thing the young kids, I mean, like, mate, one was, the youngs would have been four, would have been five, and the next one would have been seven. Mm. So like, they were doing something they thought was a bit adventurous. For, for, for four and seven, you got you got to commend the... Ingenuity, right? Of, yeah, and, and, it's, and, like, it's an adventure. Where's that even come from? Yeah, totally. Lift a mattress up and throw it off the banister. Yeah, totally. Like this, this, <laughs> I don't know if they were trying to be mean to frighten or not. I don't know, but maybe it was something. But it's just, but I got in trouble for it because uh, I, I sort of thought it was a funny thing. Like, uh, and instead of disciplining them, you know, I had to discipline them the next day. But 
I mean, I didn't get much sleep that night, to be honest with you. Like, it was, I ended up having to go down, I had to go and pick it up, bring it up, and I was made to sleep down in the lounge where the, the nanny had <laughs> the been. Doghouse. Yeah, well, it wasn't good. It wasn't a good outcome for me. But I, I really love that. But I must say, I, I, I never had the opportunity to have a little girl, girl in my family, and I kept having kids, boys, to try and see if I could get over to it. It never mm. happened. But, mate, not about me, about you. Let's go back. You were born in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Whereabouts New Zealand? Um, Otahuhu Minimore. Minimal. Now, where's that? Just put, put me Auckland. in perspective. Auckland. I'm pretty sure. Auckland. I area. want to say pretty sure. Right. And <laughs> uh, and mum is some Samoan background? Um, yeah, Māori Samoan. Māori so Samoan. Her, her father was, I think, Samoan background and yep. her mother was Māori. Māori, right. And uh, that was a... a yeah. Just a, a, a New Zealander? Yeah. No, 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 no. My father is actually a Queenslander. Queenslander? Yeah. My God. What are we doing here? <laughs> Do we have to put up? He's not going to tell me he goes for uh, Queensland in the state of origin or something like no, that. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Thank because he God. was actually born in New South Wales and then I'm pretty sure he was. So he's, he's, he's an original New South Wales. Yeah, that's yeah, good. yeah. He's a, he's a blues man. He's saying, great. So uh, you were born over there. Uh, your parents, did they both move to Australia or what happened? No. So it was a bit of a funny thing. I My mother wanted to, to, to go home to have her firstborn in New Zealand and that's what she did. She went there. Had me, and then more or less, same month almost, came back. That's right. just because uh, when I got there, when I was when I got there, when I was born, there was um, there was a whole ritual with like the umbilical cord getting planted underneath a great tree and yada yada yada. That's From a like Maori, Maori ritual. Oh, yeah, I, I don't. I, I want to say yes, but it was it was um, my grand my grandmother was the one that was kind of leading all that. Yeah, well, I've known plenty of guys have done that mm. with their kids. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. You, you plan yeah. to ties you to the land a bit. Totally, and uh, and the nutrition of the umbilical cord obviously is pretty nutritious. It's, it's been feeding the kid for forever, so it, it, there is a lot of good stuff in there, and you can grow things out of it. So then, so you, they came back. You, they came straight back to Australia. So you were pretty much you schooled in Australia. Where you about? Whereabouts in Australia did you grow up in? So I from, I'm sure when I when I was younger I moved around a little bit, but from my earliest memories I grew. I did probably my first ten years in Riverwood. Yep. Ah, Riverwood. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I, I, so I, I, I'm uh, – uh, I can remember Bennett Park in Riverwood. Bennett Park. Bennett Park. It was where, near where Roselands, on the way to Roselands. Oh, yeah. I, I did Before my, rugby league fields there. I did, I did my swimming lessons at Roselands Swimming Pool. Yeah, okay. So right. <laughs> so I grew up on that on that park. So I was on the board of Riverwood and Punch Park. Okay, yeah, great I, area. Yeah, but, oh, yeah, it wasn't so great in those days. I'm about now. It was, but, I was joking. It's yeah, terrible. Yeah. Well, no, it was terrible back then. It was yeah, yeah. It's probably good now. Probably expensive yeah. now. But, I would uh, hope so. <laughs> yeah. So you grew up in Riverwood. Yeah, okay, yeah, cool. And, yeah. and for the first 10 years? Yeah, we grew up in a unit. I'm not going to say the whole 10 years because, like I said, we were moving around a little yeah. bit when I was younger, but I don't really remember too much. Did you go to Nawi High? School? Which school? No, I went to Riverwood Public. Riverwood Public, okay. So I, I, I grew up, from my, my earliest memories were like growing up there. We grew up in a unit on Minnesota Avenue. Yeah. And, um, and then my parents split up and eventually I went and lived with my father. And through housing, my father ended up getting a place in Menai, in the townhouses there. And That was me- a pretty good area, Menai, though. It was. Um, like yeah, it, it really was. I want to say really middle class because yeah, yeah. there was only there was only like a strip of yeah, housing commission because it was sort of new, uh, like yeah, a new and, area. And there's, there's no train station, so that yeah. instantly puts speed bumps in kind yeah, of yeah, the totally. social structure. Yeah, to- well, it's, it's a and good speed bump. Yeah, in to a degree, because I was the one getting put there, and yeah. uh, it's funny because when I when I lived in Riverwood, obviously I lived in the units, and there are a lot of units around me, and 
going to school and every, every, everyone was the same. Yeah. But when I moved to Menai and I went to school, I was labeled a Halzo, which I didn't yeah. even know existed yeah. until then, which was funny. It's a funny, it's a funny little thing. Kids can be mean, but, well, I, well, be, <laughs> but it, not, it's a great area. Well, that's funny you should say though, Rob, because like where I was, there was, we used to call kids Halzos. There was a, there was a street around the corner called Chick Street. It just be pine roselands there, um, um, and it was it was, it was a house street. And I remember, I said my younger brother, and we didn't know what. I mean, it didn't matter to me, and I, I just that's because all the everyone else called it that. But I remember I used to have walk my brother home, and uh, we'd get off at the at the shopping centre and have to walk home, and um, and my little brother, and there's always bloody dogs in the street. Like everyone had a dog. Um, and there was about three cars out the front and no one had a fence. So they're all cattle dogs. And I used to say to my brother, mate, whatever happens, don't look over there at the dogs. And whatever happens, if they start coming and barking, don't run because they'll bloody chase us. And if they start chasing, you might have to start running, like, you know, and they're going to chase, they're going to bite us, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The downhill and fight from there. Every time these, we were walking and we think, we've got, I've got past, they haven't seen us, they're not barking at us. And one dog would bark, and my brother would take off, and the dogs would be chasing him. We used to go through the street all the time. But all of my mates lived in that street anyway. And but it was, that, I reckon they're good areas to grow up. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, but it's, you wouldn't want to be labelled the house. It, it, it's it's hard to say. It's hard to say. And there, are, I'm sure there are other people that have spoken on it. And there's a whole system and science behind it. But Menai and the Southern Shire as a whole was a great place to grow up. Totally, like, like great place to grow up. Granted, it did have some, you know things with social separation and, and things like that. Like I, I didn't know what a Hauser was or what a Wog was yeah. until I had moved to, to Menai, which was saying a lot. But still, I still, I think it was a it was a great place. So Menai's in the, the, the Southern Shire. It is. It's otherwise known Although as the Shire. people in the Shire would complain, would argue that it's barely in the Shire. It's just it's sort of on the edge. <laughs> yeah, and well, right what's there. it like living, what would it be like? Growing up from the, so that's from the age of ten sort of thing. Like, yeah. Did you go there right till you were a teenager? Yeah, 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 yeah. I um, I I got my first unit there with my 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 now wife, at the time. I grew up there, spent my teens, early 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 adulthood there. I didn't move out of the Shire till I was about I want to say twenty four ish. Yeah. So it's a pretty unusual place because you you, you get an introduction to life pretty quick. It's it's a Pretty parochial place, like the Shire. I mean, we've seen lots of things. And my, my, by the way, my brother grew up in the Shire. Mm, my okay. brother he's much younger than me. My brother, my pa family moved out to mm. uh, Cronulla Way. Yep. And he, he grew up in the Shire. And his mates are different, all my mates. Yeah. Completely different. Yeah, they are different. And they probably still live in the Shire. <laughs> they do. They do live in the Shire. And they're all still hanging out with each other. They're yeah, still, still close. Hit, still hitting all these up on the on yeah, Sunday. Yeah. I, I, had, I worked in all these for a while. And yeah, uh, yeah and, and it's it's a culture. There's a culture there. It, it is. It is. It's like it's almost like a, um, a village. Like uh, Menai, for instance, and Illawong and all those other suburbs around there. We, we I call it, and I'm pretty sure a lot of other people call it, the island because no one leaves. No one leaves. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. But yeah. no, where, where, but where do you live now? Me, I live out past Camden. So, you, so, so close to where you train. Close. So I, I own a gym at yep. Smeaton Grange. Yep. That's where I do my camps and all my training partners. Yep. Other UFC fighters are, and I live probably about twenty minutes out of that, on acreage just past Camden. Right. So, take me back to the why did you start to learn how to oh, the box or. Mm. do wrestling or what? Tell me, how did that all start? Um, it was my parents' influence. Um, they wanted me to learn some self-defense. Obviously, there's uh, 
as a boy, grew up watching a lot of cartoons, a lot of fighting games and stuff like that. I had an interest in combat, just naturally. And then they put me in self-defense, which was karate. Me and my brother at the time. At the time. Me and my brother. <laughs> was it the time? <laughs> yeah. And um, as well as football. So I played football as well. As in rugby league? As in rugby league. Yeah. For like, who did you play for the school? or I played for Riverwood. Public for a while, yeah, and okay. then went over the Kings Rev Colts. Oh, the ah, Kings Rev Colts, and then, yeah. yeah, and then did then moved again to um to Menai Roosters. Ah, okay, the Menai Roosters because the <laughs> yeah. Kings Rev Colts are in the Canterbury. I think that no, they were in the St George comp. Yeah, yeah, yep. in, the, in the Dragons comp. Yep. Okay, and so so you play footy. You did uh, some form of karate. Karate, yep. yeah, yeah, and uh, did you, did you, did you like you, you get graded and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I ended up getting my black belt over over the course of the years. I eventually. When we moved to Menai, the trip to karate was getting tricky. Plus, uh, once I had reached black belt, I was kind of getting, I wouldn't say bored, but I had lost the same, lost a little bit of interest. And I wanted to try something different. There was a Hapkido school, a Hapkido and Jiu-Jitsu school nearby. I jumped into that. The Hapkido, the Hapkido school eventually transitioned into an MMA school because MMA was rising at the time. And that's it. Haven't looked back. It's funny, you know, I remember watching a movie uh maybe 40 years ago, maybe more. It was a movie called Billy Jack. Okay. And it was about a, a, a an American vet, veteran who um, had been to the Korean War and uh, had learned Hapkido over there. And when he came, he was a, um, a, a, um, a half Indian guy, like an American Indian, and like a half Indian, half non-India. And um, he learned Hapkido. And Hapkido became really popular all of a sudden. This is in the 70s. So... But I, you never hear much about Hapkido. Well, I, I think don't. I think a big influence was um, Steven Seagal. He, ah, yeah. yeah, he was a big. Influence he was a Hapkido guy Hapkido, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and what is Hapkido? They just, just take me through. Like, is it oh, if I is had, it more wrestling? If or? I had to give you like a layman's breakdown of Hapkido, it's kind of like traditional MMA. Right. It's got a bit of everything. A bit of striking. It's got a bit striking. Of got a lot of wrist holds. Got a lot of those wrist hold type things. A lot yep. of some throws, some ground stuff. It's also got uh, some like. Debilitating sort of kicks and punches yeah. and strikes and whatnot. So Much it's kind groundwork? Of, hmm? Much groundwork? Uh, there was a little bit of groundwork like involved with it as well. The school that, uh, that I was doing Hapkido at, though, also did jiu-jitsu. So it right. was kind of a, a crossover there. So, we, so, I mean, I saw a guy the other day who's a, a, a coach, a, a, an MMA coach, and um, he was telling me that he thinks the two best fighting methods, and I'd be interested to hear from some of you who is a fighter. He was a fighter too, but like just some like, especially some of you. He said, if you want to learn the two best combinations, he said, boxing and wrestling. Mm -hmm. What would you say about that? Like uh, if you were like trying to, to bring to, the two together. Yeah, but to do what though? MMA. You want to compete in MMA and you could only pick two? Yeah. Because I think you have to do it all, right? So um, what, what would all include then? What, what? You'd, you'd need to do your boxing, your kickboxing, your grappling, your wrestling, your jiu-jitsu. And your fitness work. Can you, know, you explain the difference between then wrestling and grappling? Um, so grappling, okay, grappling is kind of like all of it. It's kind of wrestling and jujitsu uh, uh, together. Can you then explain and, the difference between jujitsu and wrestling? Because so they're, they're they're different. Yeah, jujitsu is primarily ground based yep. combat. Obviously, in tournaments and stuff, they start standing, but then eventually go to the ground, and that's where a lot of the the competitiveness takes place. Whereas wrestling, it starts standing, and the idea is to stay standing. And you take the opponent down. So the, the scoring is different. Um, if I had to, it's very hard to pick one or the other in in a mixed martial arts context because as soon as you 
are lacking in some way, you will be exposed there. And they, they both have their different strengths and their different weaknesses. I, I, I would like to say wrestling just because of the physicality that wrestling brings into it. So if you're wrestling a lot, generally you're strong, you're fit and you're, um, you know, you, you have that aggression to be on top. Cause I think in MMA context, probably wrestling is more important. No, I wouldn't say more important if I had to pick one or the other, just because you're, if you're on the bottom in wrestling, you're losing, yep. which is kind of similar in MMA. If you're on the bottom in MMA, you're losing. Yeah. Whereas in judiciary, if you're on the bottom, you're not necessarily losing. So I think people accept the bottom a lot more so in jiu-jitsu. Obviously, people are going to argue when they're rich is, oh, no, but what if you're on top of the ground? I'm a top player. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, get, I get the different layers of jiu-jitsu, but I'm saying generally. Because like you see guys like as Gordon Ryan, yeah, Craig Jones oh, yeah. and these guys. They just jump to the floor and then often they get sort of criticised about it. I mean, by the way, you wouldn't want to be on can, the floor with them who, no matter what happens. Can I just happens. ask, who criticises them? No. Yeah, but, yeah, but no, <laughs> you hear people think... say yeah, 100% because they're the two greatest in the world. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 but at their craft. Yeah. And people sort of say, oh, well, you know, they, they go, try and put you in a guard straight away. Yeah. You know, like, uh, is because you start standing up. Mm. And yeah. if, if someone knows how to stay away from you, you're not, they're not, you're not going to, they're not, if, even if they fall on the ground, you're just going to stand there and look at them yeah. and jump on them. So how important is it to you in terms of how you built yourself into MMA? How important was it? All the various things that you did in your life, um, so karate, for example, how important was that? Well, karate was almost fundamental for me because it's, it's kind of molded and sculpted my style of fighting throughout my career. You know, everything I do is kind of karate based, the speed, the movement, it all kind of stems from karate. Yes, I've moved it and I've changed it with my body, with my age, with the boxing and the kickboxing and the wrestling, and I've kind of all molded it together. But my foundation was karate, which is more speed based, right? Yeah, um, that's interesting. I've got to, got to say though, people do, oh, the, the jujitsu comps where the guys just sit down and they butt scoot towards you and yeah, stuff, yeah. like... The people that are complaining, it's like it's a jujitsu match. Yeah, totally. They're not meant to be there. <laughs> it's, it's like, if you want to see, if you want to see somebody stand up, watch boxing. Yeah, watch yeah. kickboxing. It's like don't complain about a sport that's not doing something. Like, you you can't complain about the sport when they're doing sport things. Yeah. And I think like Gordon Ryan and and Craig Jones, those guys that just sit down or just give their back, that would have to be the biggest power play I see in that sport because they're so good. They can just do whatever they want. Yeah, yeah. And that is crazy to have that level of confidence but also have that level of skill to be able to back that up. And the people complaining obviously don't get that. You know, yeah, it's, It is crazy to see people complaining about people sitting down in a jiu-jitsu comp. What's a different sport? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And it's, it's sort of interesting because that's what it takes us to MMA because and or the UFC competition in terms of MMA. But... MMA always was about that whole situation, who's best, which, sorry, mm. which discipline is best, yeah. which form of fighting is best. And the smart thing was someone said, well, let's mix it all up. And uh, yep. were you around in the early days of MMA where you could uh, do everything? No, no. But obviously I've seen the videos. And, um, They're I, full I, on. Yeah. I, yeah the, I remember seeing this one, this one fight where the guys – Kind of got, he's on top of the guy in side control mm -hmm. and he's just punching the dude's balls like <laughs> over yeah. and over and over. And, and the dude ends up just giving up. <laughs> yeah, brutal. It's brutal. Yeah, for good reason too. Yeah, to but... totally. It's brutal. And then what, what do you think about, I mean, and I, I've been done to ask someone like you this question. What do you think about the bare knuckle guys? Oh, mate, it's, uh, 
oh, it's hard to it's hard to say. Like it's a bit. I think it, I think it's it's real fighting. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it takes a certain level of crazy to 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 get in there and do that. A certain level of cojones, if you yeah, will. Yeah, totally. You know? <laughs> but but mate. I feel like once you step into the realm of bare knuckle boxing, you're kind of not doing anything else. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you've kind of made your bed per se. I don't see someone after 10 bare knuckle fights going to open a law firm type thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think or, so. Or, 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 start, or working, opening up a cafe <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the local area. It's funny, many years ago, I don't know if you remember Garth Wood, the Australian boxer, Garth Wood, and his mm-hmm. brother Nat Wood, who played for the Brisbane. Nat was a wild, wild fella. And uh, I remember, this is, only, this is only a few years ago, Garth said to me, um, he said, mate, he said, me and Natty are going to Ireland and we're going to go with um, um, uh, oh, he's got another couple of guys. We're going to film ourselves going around Ireland, <clears throat> fighting, the bear, fighting a band, fighting the a gypsies. knuckle. Yeah, fighting the gypsies. Oh, man. I said, what's up with you? Are you off your head? He said, no, no, we're going to film. We're going to do like a little, um, you know, like a, a little documentary thing and uh and he said we're just, we're just gonna go fight anyone who wants to fight us you, you see that doesn't sound as bad as the comp competition of bare knuckle boxing because like you're going up against dudes they're just slug on on the weekend you know yeah. and usually they're drunk right <laughs> like <laughs> you're, gonna, yeah. you're gonna hit the pub you're gonna go throw some throw some hands and then call it a night that's all right i i can see that because generally it's over very quickly the guys that are training for bare knuckle boxing and they're, they're they're skilled fighters. They know how to fight. Yeah. So the fights are always just about the distance, and you guys are landing shots on each other. You look at anybody that comes out of a bare knuckle fight; they look like their face was just put through a blender. It's uh, yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's it's a bit much. So, where's Rob Whittaker now in terms of? Let's call it UFC, MMA, but mm. within the UFC, where, where you're up to now? Okay, so I recently lost to to Drickus Duplessis, yep. and uh, that was a bit of a setback. I, honestly, I just didn't turn up that night. There was a the whole string of things. I didn't turn up. He did. Congrats mentally, to mentally, him. yeah. Congrats yep. to him. It's a it's a tough it's a tough industry to have a day off. <laughs> yep. You know, yeah, you'd not um, be ready for the day. Yeah. Yeah, like everyone has bad days. Yeah, but my bad days look a little worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that, it wasn't. Yeah, you didn't look right. Yeah, when I, I it was. Um, yeah, it, it was off, and you know I could point a lot of different things, but at the end of the day, it's I didn't turn up, and he did, and congrats to him. But uh, honestly, I'm using it as like a bit of a catalyst. It was a it was a kick up the ass, if I'm going to be honest. That um, I'm happy happened now and not in two years because you see the way I, I've given myself a bit of a hard deadline of, of 36. Right. I think 36 is a good age where I've kind of hit my prime, hit my peak and I'm leaving at it. You know, I don't, I don't want, I don't want, I don't necessarily want to be fighting too much when I'm going, when, when my, my prime is on its decline. Yeah. So I think 36 is a is a good age for me to make my legacy, make some money, and really, you know, give everything I have for it. So that's the approach that I'm taking after this loss. It's like a kick up the ass. All right, time to tick all the boxes. Time to take all the one percents. Time to have two feet in and really try to cement my legacy and and take back that title. Have that last run at the title shot. And yeah, that it kind of got the gears in motion, committed me to the cause. And when you saw the last middleweight fight, which, which when Israel lost, is that, mm. does that sort of 
and I don't mean it because he lost, but does that inspire you to think, hang on, everybody loses at some stage mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. it's okay? Certainly, certainly. Um, it, it, two, two, two parts to that. So, yes, people have off days. And, like, even if you don't, sometimes you lose anyway. Yeah, yeah. And to see a guy that I have lost to twice, yep. though, the second time, you know, we can argue. Yep. <laughs> but to see him lose... I know, you know, a bit of a bit of a pep, yeah, <laughs> a bit yeah. of a bit of a motivate, uh, motivating moment. But yeah, it's 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 just things are in movement. Things are moving. There are there are people win, people lose. He's not an indomitable figure. He's he can lose like anybody else. But they pitched him as one. I mean, I, exactly, to be honest, I thought exactly. I thought well, he's, you know, I mean, that guy was a um, the odds are against him. Yeah, you and, you and, and everybody else. Right? Yeah, but like and but did you? You know, the silly thing to say, but did you pick something up from that? Did you? Did you? Well, the thing is, like when I look at when I look at a fight and I break down a fight, I can, I can make an educated guess of what will happen, but I can also go down the hypothetical train of what could happen. And I saw the path of victory that Sean had. And what you mean? From, you mean you saw it during the fight or at the beginning, or you before saw before the fight happened? Was, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the 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 bloke fought, Sean fought prior to Adesanya, that game plan, that style of fighting is perfect at fighting Adesanya. Now, those two guys aren't the same. Adesanya and the guy he fought and beat aren't the same per- person. So, And they fight very differently. Adesanya's much better. So it's very hard to get a gauge on how well that will work against Adesanya, let alone whether Sean will do and implement the same game plan without getting you know, overzealous or overreacting or getting too caught up in the moment. But you know, to everyone's surprise. And I, I can see this a lot when I break down big fights. I can I can always see an educated guess of what will happen and an hypothetical what could happen. And I, I can see it every which way just about. So unless, you weren't surprised. Un, unless the scale was huge. Well, I was still surprised because I saw the path of victory, but a lot of the times it doesn't happen because yeah. it's not the educated guess. It's not the safe bet. It's not the, the odds. The odds are against him. But, mate, he turned up and he did exactly what he needed to do to win. It was very purposeful. I mean, would you be able to break down for me, for example, um, you know, as an as a observer, like what, what did you – how did you see Sean's approach? Like what, what was he doing? Like he, he looked – he looked like a Mayweather style. He had, um, you know, he had. He, he was sort of standing up. I can't remember if he's left or right, if he's a southpaw or not. Otherwise, but 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 he had. He was just pouring out, and he was always covering up so mm. that Azania couldn't counter counter him. What well, would you break it down for me? Like, what what do you think it was? Well, it was so effective. I think he walked him down a lot too. Yeah, to to break it down, like the, some of the key features of this fight of that fight would be that Sean's defense. Was on point. Yep. So he 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 obviously he stands very tall when he when he boxes, which gives yep. him, which gives him a lot of range when he leans back. Yep. He also shoulder rolls quite well, yep. and he keeps his other hand up well. Floyd so, Mayweather style, a little. Yeah. Yep. So he he does that well, but it also leads into his way of fighting, which is walking you down. Mm. He stayed in that threatening distance of Adesanya the entire fight, and that's where they're both. In punching range, he can hit Adesanya, and Adesanya could hit him. And he just utilised his his defence and his lean back and that constant pressure to wear away Adesanya to get Adesanya's back on the fence. And to when you walk someone down like Adesanya, someone who likes to be evasive, whose main means, whose main defensive manoeuvres is the lean back and away. So leaning back, sliding back, being on your bike, circling out when 
You take that away from someone. When you have someone like that on with their back to the fence. So they can't lean back. So they can't lean back. They lose all their range. That's how that's how Sean landed that super effective shot. Yeah. Which changed the uh, which changed the entire pacing of the fight from that point on. But that's how he lent, landed that shot because Addison had nowhere to go and Sean's just in that range the entire time. It's uh yeah, he just he just chipped away. He just chipped away at Adesanya. Didn't give Adesanya any space, any room, and he kept his defense on point. So then, you know, they often say, like say, like Styles win fights. It looked like his style won that fight to me. So does someone like you, like oh, I don't know how 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 all the UFC rankings work and how or how the matches are made, who, who, who's the matchmaker and how it all happens. But mm-hmm. let's say they said you had to fight Israel next. Yep. Um, would you adopt? Something like that. I mean, I don't ask you to give away your strategy, but would you? Is there something you would learn from that? Because you, you, you when I've watched you fight Adesanya in the past, um, you've been engaging with him nearly in his style, sort of thing, in the mm. middle of the ring, giving plenty of room yep, and, yep. and trying to out, out, out speed, our pace, our box, everything else. And and it hasn't worked for you in the last two, so maybe the last one. Well, whatever we can argue, but, <laughs> but well, you you can argue, but it doesn't really matter. Then you, know, you want to win, you don't give a shit. Um, in terms of strategy, do you watch these people, study them, and say, "Now, what can I learn from that?" Well, that was my um, my next time I fought Adesanya. That was going to be my approach. I, I'm more pressure, you know, closing that space up, keep keeping him under the pump the entire time, keeping high output, and just making him work and move until I got his back up against the fence and capitalized yeah. on the openings that I, I would have created. But yeah, I've always thought that is the way to beat Adesanya. I think, I think if you invest too much into like really trying to grind him down onto the mat, uh, you you take a little bit out of yourself, and it doesn't take enough out of him. He's pretty and, good at getting up too. Yeah, he is. He I is. Don't know what he, that he is. is but tall guys. Yeah, is that what it is? Uh, tall guys are harder to take down. They are. Just got longer levers. But I'm, I'm sure he's working it. Like, let's give him credit. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sure he's doing a hell of a lot of wrestling. Yeah, I'm sure Eugene's doing plenty with him over yeah. there. And can you just tell me why the hell we have pound for pound between Australia and New Zealand? We have so many high class fighters. I mean, it's not. It's not just. You, Volg, Adesanya, there's, there's a lot of other guys too, you know, there's Malaki, there's a heap of them, right? Mm. Why is Australia so, uh, and New Zealand as well, so, so well positioned? What, what is the deal there? Oh, we just like our sports, don't we? Do you like, think that's what it is? It's just that? I think, I think we've always been a sporting nation. Particularly contact sports. Yeah, particularly. I think we've always been a sporting nation and... Um, and we've always liked combat sports. We've always yeah. we've always been a part of like the kickboxing, the K one, the boxing, and I think with MMA being introduced, into, it was only a matter of time. Really, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, and I, I do you think I mean like obviously Volkanovski loves his footy, and 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 contact him, and every time they talk, about, used to talk about Volkanovski. That when they used to talk about, he used to talk about his his rugby career, not his rugby league career, but his rugby career. Um, the, I'm talking about the US commentators. Um, and there might be something in that. I mean, I I think that. Bodies being physically hit all the time, it, like you play footy too. Um, do you think that sort of, uh, which a lot of other people, a lot of other countries don't do that sort of stuff? I mean, mm. do you think that prepares you in some way, physically? It's it's got to to some degree. You know, if we just look at it from like an intellectual point, it's it's got to. You, you're if you play rugby league, you're used to getting hit. Yeah, you're just used to that contact, that rattling of the brain. Yeah, right? yeah totally. And Hopefully, uh, you don't rattle your brain too much. But yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it does. But, yeah, it just it just gets you used to it it's like 
and um, your body gets conditioned for it. Yeah. It's just used to contact. It's um, yeah, it's 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 got to. It it has to. Can I ask you a question? Something. Do you enjoy getting hit? Like, is there a, a little bit of you don't enjoy getting buzzed? <laughs> I mean, but enjoy uh, the combat. With, uh, oh, like, definitely, it's the only reason why I do it. Really, yeah, you like, you, you, you cop it. You like copping it. Nah, not like not necessarily copping it. I like the threat yep. of the fight. Like, I like I like it when they're trying to hurt me because mm. I'm trying to hurt them. You know, that's that's that that's the combat. That's the threat that this guy's trying to hit me, and that high of adrenaline. Of, of, of like not letting him do that is what I really in, like thrive on in the moment. But is it for you, is it for you though, the, is the thrill making sure that that individual doesn't connect with me or is the thrill more I want to connect with him? Yeah, I want to connect with him, definitely. Yeah. Well, it's I, like eliminating the threat. Yeah. Right? And, and by, by, by you connecting with him though. Yeah, by, by beating him. Yeah, yeah. So he's trying to beat me and take me away and hurt me and I – like I get a high out of trying to get rid of this threat. Yeah. And the, the way you do that is by beating him. Because it's funny, I watch blokes like Mayweather and it looks to me like Mayweather is nearly trying to show off how good it is that no one can ever hit him because mm. of his defence. I mean, yep. I actually, to be honest, I find him, uh, people don't think I'm a heretic, but I find him a boring boxer to watch. But he always wins. Mm. But he's so good at defence. Mm. And uh, whereas he doesn't look like he's trying to, rip someone he doesn't he doesn't look like he's trying to connect with someone yeah. so much his his game is he gets more thrill out of yeah, making I, you look f- like an idiot i feel like he he changed though because like he was i feel like he was much more aggressive in his earlier days don't you yeah when he's younger yeah, yeah. as he got older yeah as he got older and he like really started cementing his ring craft yeah what he does yeah he he realized he doesn't need to do that anymore <laughs> so just so, so have you evolved in that regard i mean if i go back and you look at you 10 years ago and look at you today definitely yeah definitely so where are you evolving to like uh more ring craft as opposed to being tough and aggressive i think yeah i think i started off aggressive and yeah tough and aggressive that crafted itself into ring craft yeah. but now I'm at another point where I'm kind of molding the ring craft back into aggression because that's how I kind Blend of the two yeah that's kind of where I want my you know end goal of like the holistically of of, of how I want when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. To fight and of my legacy to, to, to be molded as a, a mixture of ring craft 
and like fight IQ, but with aggression and grunt. Yeah, so you, you, you fight a middleweight. Um, uh, you look like you're pretty big at the moment. So, uh, <laughs> what so, do you mean, mate? Yeah, do I mean? don't know. I reckon you're about 10 over. Like, uh, no. I mean, how do you go with weight? So, I've, I've never missed a weight cut. No. So, you fought a few catch weights over with others when oh, they miss yeah, weight. Yeah, when cuts. they've missed weight, yeah, definitely. And uh, that's a funny dichotomy, that is. But uh, I've never missed weight. The weight cuts have always been pretty easily easy. Um, so, can you take me through that then? Do you, so, just uh, paint a picture for us. So, what you might be walking around at? Right now, um, about 100 kilos. Okay. So, and, and you got to fight at what? 84. Yeah. Okay. So, we're talking about um, 15, 10, between 10 and 15 kilos. Mm. You got to drop. Yeah. Just take me through the process. So where, where do you where do you kick off? Uh, let's say you got to fight. You know, th- three months out. Do you start, do you start your train for the for the fight yeah. three months out? So I'm actually I'm actually closer to about ninety seven kilos, ninety seven and a half. Yep. And uh, this is wh- this is my ten week mark. This is where I want to be ten weeks out. Right. Because it's I'm getting the right amount of food to be able to hit a lot of sessions, to be able to get strength gains, to be able to feel good in my sessions. But then as soon as we get the the notice, ten weeks out. We can start trimming it back to start seeing the, the the weight going down at the same output. Do you do it? Do you do it scientifically though? Like you, when yeah. I say scientifically, do you do it? You start for the DEXA, like a DEXA scan, the sort of see where um, all sits. Well, I've I've done them, but we don't need to. I, I do them outside of camps, kind yep. of get a gauge on things, but don't really need them going into into camps. More or less, I've I've been doing this for so long. I I know how to do it at the top top of my head, but. I, I feel like I want to get more out of the weight cuts, so I'm kind of evolving in that sense that I want to get more. You want to of, feel different, you mean? Yeah, well, yeah. the the min min maxing the weight cut. I want to get yeah. I want to be as strong and as big as I possibly can, whilst healthily able to still do what I need to do in there. So maybe you could explain though, Rob, like the the that ten week period, which mm-hmm. that's an intense period, and um, uh, maybe you could just take me through for the first five weeks of that 10-week period what it looks like the second five weeks, not on weight but on, just on training regime. So what are we training three times a day? We're doing a weight session once. What are we doing? Yeah, there's um, day-to-day my training's changed, but it's usually three to two times a day. And the first five weeks is usually it's more of like a load building, so so like foundation building sort yep. of period. So it's like a lot of live wrestling, a lot of a lot of hard sparring, a lot of hard hard sessions. So like physically hard sessions. But because the weight's at 97, we're dropping the calories a little bit so that we're at a deficit. So that the weight's slowly coming off. And then we move into the second five week mark where the calories have to drop off more to keep losing at the a fast weight. rate. Yep. And it's more about quality after that. So you, we still have high high level competition matches and competition um, sessions, but they're not as building per se. So it's not like a lot of heavy weights, it's not a lot of foundation building because the foundation's already been built. And then as we get closer to the time we leave for overseas or fight week itself, it's usually about bringing the weight closer and closer to the target market, bringing the sessions in so it's all quality and then kind of offloading the last... And when you say quality, what do you mean by quality? We're talking about we're talking about like technique and short bursts, like as an actual five minute. Yeah. Round. So like instead of instead of doing say six eight minute jujitsu matches, we'll do three five minutes. Yep. So you need to win those three fives. Yep. It's not about getting through the eight with three different people usually. Potentially. Yeah, potentially. It, it depends what we're doing. So like a lot of guys go over to Auckland 
in a lot of Aussie guys. I mean, Alex does. I mean, what do you do? What's your plan? I mean, sometimes you go, there's, there's camps in Thailand. Mm. There's all sorts of places. Mm. What's your go-to? I'm, I'm fortunate enough, though. that So at my gym at Smeaton Grange, uh, I have other UFC fighter, Jacob Malkoon, and I have one FC fighter, Easy Docs there. And they're both middleweights. And we've also got a whole host of other guys, but they're like quite high-caliber, high-level middleweights. So they're good bodies I get to work with day in, day out. And then we, we bring in a lot of other guys to come in and do some boxing sparring or grappling or MMA sparring if we can find the work. And I'm fortunate that I can do all my work from Smeaton Grange because, like I said, it's 20 minutes from my home. That's perfect. You don't have to yeah. travel. I mean, well, I don't think I could justify traveling when I can do all the work here. I can do all the work and I've had great results and success from, from home. But also the other half of the coin is my family. If, yeah. you, if you take me away from my family and like I'm – I've lost half the edge. Yeah. Can you sort of take me through Like, Are they sort of like the basis of everything you do? Oh, definitely. They're, they're the reason kind of why I do everything. It's uh, – and the easiest way to say it is, is they're why I fight. So if I'm not close to them, I'm not spending time with them, if I'm not a part of their lives, why am I fighting? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, I get that 100%. Yeah, and I also, I also do – understand how people are like you got to sacrifice now for later but i don't want to sacrifice the first eight years of my kids lives yeah <laughs> you know yeah, totally. to, to enjoy them from 12 when i have i don't even know who they are you know i want to be a part of it the whole way the whole journey give and take there's there's moments i can't do things and i have to go away or stuff like that but i try to minimize it because there has to be a balance with those two for me anyway because they're they're my driving force because I mean, the obvious question is for people in your game mm. is why and you just answered it but why do you do it I mean what's Rob Whittaker's end game what's his strategy obviously you can't fight to your 75 mm. you can't fight to your 65 you, maybe you can but like unlikely you definitely won't be doing it at UFC um, that's one two you know it's pretty brutal like it's very brutal you know you can get injured badly um brutal in every way you can lose you know blah 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 the whole thing mm. um what's your goal where do you want to land i mean you obviously get paid and uh you know you get the ufc looks after you, you get paid and then if you win you get you know share a pay for you and all that sort of stuff you make a bit of money a fair bit of money but not like you know it's not like um if you're uh you know a famous boxer because mm. they get paid a lot i mean mm. they make a lot more money than mm. ufc guys maybe mcgregor did better but you know they're pretty unusual. Yeah, few and far between. Few and far between. So you're using the fight game and your skills and your courage to get to a certain point. Um, I know it's to look after your family. I get that bit. But what point do you want to get to? You want to own your own home and have a few property investments and a, mm. and a business. Where are you getting to? What are you trying to do here? I think – so there's – it's a loaded question. There's a, there's a lot of different avenues and a lot of different points that I guess I wanna, I, I'm focusing on, okay? So for me, when I started fighting, it was about identity, being a fighter. Yep. You know, I wanted to be a fighter. Didn't want to be a hauser. Yep, I you get know? it. Like, then it became, oh, I can make a living doing this. Yep. Okay. And That's then, stage two. Yeah, stage two. was like, oh, no, wait, I can do this full time. I can make a living out of this. It's a job. Money. Yep. Then I reached another point where, yeah. Not only can I make a living of this, but I can create a platform for for myself. Right. So like I can I can be someone, I can be 
a bigger, brand. Yeah, a brand. I, can, I can be a brand. I can be an ambassador. I can be more. And then I guess we kind of, you sail out that and then we get to where I am now. Whereas I'm trying to, I am a platform, you know, I am a brand and I'm also trying to live up to the responsibilities that the spotlight and the camera and the attention that is given to me deserves, which is being a good role model for my kids, for other kids, for other men. It's about being more, you know, leading by example. So there's that avenue. Obviously, through that, I'm trying to create a legacy with my, with my craft and my skills, which will you know, transcend myself and my life. Grow, grow above you. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. you've got your gym. So a good example. I've got the gym. Yep. Got the gym. But I can well, see all your T-shirt. Yeah, I'm. I'm also trying to move into other markets, not only to help myself, but to again transcend to be bigger. So, um, recently, in the last two years, and we've recently launched in the last month, I have opened a company called Alchemist Extracts, which deals in CBD as well as wild mushroom extracts, and. Uh, Someone like me, so I, I first heard about CBD oils a few years ago, and as someone who's like trained my entire life, and as someone who's fighting at the the pinnacle of of the game, you're always looking for edges, yeah, always looking for advantages, and something that might let you train a bit harder tomorrow because you might have been injured today, and you think, oh, yeah, I'm going exactly. to miss out well, training. Inflammation is the the enemy of humans, <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I got into CBD oil and. CBD made a difference. It made a difference. Of all the things, like instead of having to pop multiple Voltarums. Yeah, which are the worst things in the world for you. Which are the worst things in the world for you to, to, to get through a wrestling session. Yeah. I, I, I just had some CBD oil in it and it helped. It yeah, made you mean a you, difference. You, you ingested it or you rubbed it on? Like I, I ingested it and I tried rubbing it on. Right. Um, Maybe you could just explain like the CBD oil, how, how it works for, for, in your case for your arthritis. And it's not just talking about fighters. This is arthritis generally, mm. like or, or, or inflammation. Yeah. Well, it, putting it. Um, well, how does it work? Well, like I said, like inflammation is the enemy to mankind because there, there isn't, there isn't. There's a lot of pains and aches and things that stop you from doing stuff just because of inflammation. Inflammation is the, the root cause for a lot of different things. And for me, like for instance, if I'm wrestling. And my back's a little sore. I can get through the session, but when I shoot a double leg or shoot a, a fast single leg, yeah. there's a point, just a point where it hurts and it and pauses. You for a second. And then it, it pauses me for half a millisecond yeah. and then I've lost it. I've yeah. lost the shot. Yeah. And as like I said, in a game of inches and in a game of centimeters, that I don't want that. I want more out of it. And I find that CBD oil just, it, it was something I could take regularly which you can't do with a lot of those prescribed medications. But also, it was something that just took the edge off it enough. Just enough. And you know, for how accessible it, it, it is now, you know, I delved into it and I researched it. And I was like, you know, I can, I can do it better. I got into, I got into the science of it, of, of, of the CBD and the extraction process. And I was like, I can, I can do it better. I don't need these companies. I can do it better. So I, I opened my own. And... I don't know if you're aware of it as well, but there's a, a lot of research that has opened up, like how, like how CBD was um, several years back with wild mushroom extracts no, as well. I'm, I'm totally into it, yeah. Yeah. And the benefits of, of those. And, and it's another thing that, that hits well with me because it's all natural. Yeah. It's natural things. It's things that 
the earth has given us that we can use. So you, you but are you very attracted to the, like uh, nature and the natural things and the things that, oh. as opposed to the, the chemistry that we get thrown at us if we just go to the doctor? Yeah, oh, well, to, to, to a degree, right, to a degree. I, <laughs> I'm not about to go out there and hug a tree. Yeah. But, but I do think that if we try to keep things to a, an as natural degree, as you can, I think it's better just because the human body takes, can handle natural things a little bit easier than processed. Um, but there, there's give and take. It, it's a balance. So your Alchemist uh, brand is called Alchemist Extract, Alchemist it, it, as 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 opposed to EX. It's E it just extracts. Yep. Um, so that's your AX. business. That's your business. Yeah, this is my company, and that's your logo, the Infinity logo. It is. It is. Yep. The sim symbology of the the Infinity sign. Mm, yep. Yeah. Yep. And. Uh, do you? It's the stuff's mini, Where's the manufacturer? Is it, is it local stuff? Because I see you got a box here. It is. Hopefully it is. That I box do. Is I have a. I have a gift for you, my friend. Thank you. Let's have a look get, at this. So what have we got? We've got a T-shirt. T-shirt. And you got some extracts and balm in there. So a balm being something you rub on. It's something you rub on. Right. And it's like, if you've ever had like an achy elbow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, get, I, 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 I get. I get achy knuckles, like, like thumb knuckles. So hands yeah, up. Yeah, me. like it, it just helps. It just takes the edge off. This things. is the balm here, right? This is the balm. Yeah. So you just rub, just rub it on. You just rub it on. Rub it on. And then uh, this is the CBD. So. I have tried in the past, but I have to be honest with you, like, oh, I feel like I get arrested or something. But um, some dude in Byron Bay gave it to me that he fucking imported it from somewhere. <laughs> I don't even know where I uh, – and I tried it and uh, – Might not even be seen. And I don't even mate. know if I took the right amount or whatever. I don't know what I was doing. So, uh, But I got nervous. So I threw it out So because I thought, oh, I was, am I getting in trouble or something? But um, tell me about – this is a super door. So how, how do you take this? Well, and you, well, you, you just – um. You take one mil, if you have a, a, a mil dropper in there. Is that the thing there? Yeah, or yeah. You, the squirter. Yep. So that's the squirter. So three squirts is one mil. And you squirt it, it real, real simple, just in your mouth. In your three mouth squirts. Up, or you yeah. can mix it with water. Yeah. I usually just do it in the mouth and then have a drink of water afterwards. Yeah. And uh, you do that, it at night or when you do Well, it depends. You see, you've got multiple types there in the box. Oh, the different ones? Yeah. So there's focus and energize, which I take in the mornings. Yep. It just. How do I explain? Obviously, it has like the the anti-inflammatory effect. So this is lion's mane extract. Yep. The focus. Yep. Yep. That's the top mushroom. Um, so obviously, it makes things a little fo clearer, like focus, yeah. like sharpens things up for me. There's the anti-inflammatory um, portion of it as well, and it has a whole list of other benefits and health benefits. So I know this well. cordyceps one. So sometimes I have the cordyceps powder in my mm. coffee in the morning, but. Um, this is like drinking coffee. I mean, it's better than a coffee, though. Yeah, it's better it's for so you. Good. Then I have then I have coffee on top of that. Yeah, <laughs> so, so and then the calm is something I can take at night. Yeah, night that's what I take. That's, at, that's at rishi, rishi mushroom rishi, that, that's, extract. Yeah, that's what I take just before bed because I don't know if you're anything like me, but when I when everything quiets down around me, my mind starts to switch on, and I'm like, oh, here we go. Thinking about tomorrow when I shouldn't be. So yeah, I'm the worst. It, um, it it just helps and. Another thing that drove me to create my own company was just the the USADA and ASADA testing. Like, there's there's nothing in there from any sort of banned substances. So these are clean, they're absolutely so clean. To speak. And yeah, I, yeah, um, yeah. I live off them religiously. So you know, you, you, you use this in your training regime so every they, single day. Yep. It, and not only me, my kids also take yep. it because just like the recent science and research with um, like ADHD and stuff. So my a couple, one of my sons. No, two of my sons have um, autism yep. and one's got ADHD as well. And just the science, the recent studies with the wild extracts and ADHD, you know, there's some correlations with things like calming effects and, and, and keeping cool. Because I, I don't really like the idea of medicating my sons. Yeah. So I just... Uh, Not with a traditional uh, 
medications that you get yeah, it, yeah. from the chemist just, uh, because that's a bit weird. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't really like that, but um, with the, the mushroom extracts and the, the CBD oil and the MCT oil, it's just all the little. So using the MCTs as well, do you have that as part of the alchemist extracts? We we, we do. We have a, we have a long range. You can the MCT so, oils. So you got a whole whole list of yeah SKUs. yeah yeah. We have a and that that's kind of another reason why I branched out into the company was because you know trying the the products the CBD oil. And understanding, like feeling its benefits, it got me like thinking and going down that rabbit hole of what could I be doing to make me better? Yeah, give you the one percent. Exactly. And then, and that's kind of led me down to like ice baths and saunas and mushroom extracts and CBD oil and MCT oil and just all these little things that aren't, but they don't make huge differences by themselves, but together they're, you know, I'm practically a temple at this point. <laughs> Man, well, you look pretty happy though. You look like you're pretty together. So, and and if like, do you have do you have a website with everything listed? Yes, alchemistextracts.com. Alchemistextracts.co, I think. Co is it? Co. It's yeah, not on there, but yeah. So. Al, al, so, and then everything's listed on. So, obviously, your business is selling online. So, you, yep, you're yep, not selling yep. through a supermarket or anything. No, like that. no, not yet. Not yet. The idea is to be, but. Couple, couple of hurdles to jump first. Because I have seen you, uh, uh, you have. I mean, you've you've worked out, or well, someone's worked out pretty quickly that um, you're a brand and you you're marketable. And I have seen you do a lot of stuff for Musashi over the years. Yep. Um, but long the, time, long time sponsor of, yeah. of myself. Yes. Yeah. The relationship we've formed over the years has just been invaluable. Yeah. So are you still with Musashi now? Very yeah, much so. So you, um, you know, you probably. I mean, because the big question is all the time. You know, and I never really know the answer to this one, but like everyone says, you know, like if you're training at a certain level and you're a certain weight, this is the amount of protein you should be having. Mm-hmm. And there's no way in the world, well, mostly, especially when you get a mind, there's no way in the world you can eat the amount of meat, let alone you yeah, know, go no, and prepare no it and buy it. Like, you know, like I'm 85 kilos, I've got to, you know, I've got to allegedly eat 170 uh, grams of meat, uh, mm-hmm. 170 grams of protein a day, which is about 300, 400 grams of mm-hmm. meat. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of fucking meat to eat. And, uh, you know, they said, and I, and I say, okay, I'll take a protein drink. And I, I never know where to go. You know, like, and uh, one of the things that's stuck in my mind, seeing you, I think I've seen you on the back of the bus or something like that, along with, um, I, I think you're Travoyevich. Right? <laughs> I, think, I think you're on with um, uh, one of the Travoyevich brothers. He's, there's you. Generally, right, people send me text messages, go, hey, look at this. It's just like my mug. But they don't, have, like, they don't have UFC the under it, they have MMA under it. Yeah. And I thought, I often wondered why they did, why they put that, they didn't have UFC. And in fact, I rang Musashi up because I got a bit upset about it. I didn't get upset. I thought, You've got rugby there. He's rugby league. He's not rugby. Um, and you've got, you got the, he, he was MMA. That's MMA, yes. But like he's a, we know him as a UFC fighter. You know, you were contracted to UFC. And I actually, I, I ring the dude up because I found out who he was. And I said, mate, you made a mistake. The buck, because you've got, you've got the, you two and the, I think it's two yeah. others. I, can't remember I, know, I, I know the answer to this, but continue. Oh, and, I, and they never changed it. He said, oh, no, we didn't realize. And, uh, but maybe they reasonably put, uh, 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 Travoyevich and there is rugby because they wanted to cover both off. I'm not sure. I mean, why they had you as MMA and not UFC, I don't know the answer to it's that. It's because was... of the licensing. Ah, oh, right. They couldn't get it. UFC don't let anybody ah. don't let anybody use their UFC logo. Oh, that makes sense. It's just like, yeah, they, they've just been hard knock on that since day dot. Yeah, because so they're, 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 you'll, well, they're... You'll see any sort of ad that isn't UFC funded yeah. or promoted, it, they're blurring out UFC logos. Putting tape over them, like you just can't, you just can't. 
Yeah, they're pretty tough. Yeah, they are. I, I know. Are. I know. <laughs> I've had uh, Mark Hunt sit there tell me his oh, stories. Yeah, it's pretty full on, and uh, a lot of stories. A lot of stories. Yeah, yeah. And we had we had quite a few uh, uh, over the years. Quite a few fighters come on straight talk, and uh, it's that they run a business. Oh yeah. And whether you like it or don't like it, it doesn't matter. They run a business and they protect it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you're running a business. And you have to protect what you're producing. Mm-hmm. What are the things that Rob Whitaker has got to do to make sure that, you know, because you've got a pretty clean image. Mm-hmm. You're a family man. Um, you don't arc up. You're not carrying on like a goose. Um, you know, you're not sort of strutting around the joint. You, know, <laughs> you don't do the, the McGregor. Um, what have you got to do to protect your image? I mean, is, is that, and is that something you're really conscious of all the time? You see, no, it's not. And I think that's just because of the way I've conducted myself since day dot. I, um, it's not something I have to try to be. It's just. Be yourself. Yeah, it's just be myself. It's just who I am. It's, uh, I don't know, just don't be a tosser. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, as, as easy as it's, um, it is to say, it's like, just don't. Leave, don't annoy people. Don't get in people's faces. Just you do you. Try not to like be annoying. I don't know how to explain it. I don't, I'm sure everyone knows how not to be an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? To a, to a degree. And it's just, I, I guess understanding that once the spotlight was put on me and I, what I am a brand and I am an ambassador and I am the, uh, a platform and these different things and people look up to me like when I walk the streets and they want a photo of these young kids look up to me and they say, hey, Rob, how are you? I understand that there's a responsibility on my shoulders. I think it made it – I think it, it didn't make me change how I acted, more so just I felt the responsibility a little bit more. Like the it, – it, you know what? It, it gave me – uh, like not clarification, like it, it justified to a degree, like how I am, like like almost like someone going, you're doing good, Rob. Sort and, uh, of thing. Do you think that's somewhat influenced from your parents? Oh, I mean, definitely. My um, my father was always big on the when I played football. It was always like, what happens on the field stays on the field, and yeah. uh, that mentality kind of got you know um, put across my entire life. It's just about like. You can have disagreements, you can have scraps, but leave it there. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's there's no need to make a big deal out of it. And then obviously through self-searching and soul-seeking throughout my life because everyone you has- You grow them. up. Yeah, you, you grow up, you have kids, you see things in a different life, uh, a different light. You see life itself differently once you have kids and once you- win the title and then once you lose the title and once you have wins and you have losses, there's, you know, the, the roller coaster that is life. What's and, the biggest learning curve? Is it winning or losing? Oh, losing for sure. Definitely. Tell me. Uh, well, anyone can win. Anyone can win. Uh, winning's easy. It's good feelings, good vibes. Um, you get given good things, more money, more people, more friends, more fame, more spotlight. Winning is easy. Losing is hard. Losing is hard because especially if you don't have a good grasp on who you are before you won, before you lose, I should say, because so I won the title, I was a world champion, mm. and then I lost the world title in front of my family, my friends, 60,000 people in Melbourne. And if I didn't have a good grip on who I was and didn't understand the people that I had around me, didn't understand what it was that I was fighting for, I would have fallen. Like that's a that's a bit of a hole to fall into, you know what I mean? And you can see it 
across the timeline of UFC champions, how many of them stay in the top five after they lose the belt? Like, especially in the middleweights, you look at Weidman and Rockhold mm. and there's Anderson Silver after he finally lost. Like, there's so many. And, uh, you know, it's, I'm going to say it's just life. But this is one thing that I think the fans don't see of the fighters. It's just like the fighters, they, they have good wins and they have bad losses, but they're just people. They have to deal with that like anybody else. You know, it's it's like if a dude cuts you off and then puts a finger up at you in, in traffic, it ruins your day. Yeah, it does. You think about it all day. <laughs> it ruins your day. Because you can't do anything. Yeah. But, but does that mean then, Rob, then uh, uh, what's important from your point of view, at least I'd like to know how you learned this, but um, is not to identify yourself or as a winner. Um, definitely don't have to identify yourself as a loser, but you identify yourself as Rob Whitaker, the family man, Rob Whitaker, a whole lot of other things. That's who I am. Yeah. If I win or lose, it doesn't change who I am. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I, who taught you that? Where'd you learn that stuff? Oh, mate, I, I, uh, I'm fortunate enough that I've always kind of been like very self-aware, and what as a kid as well? Nah, not quite. I there, there was a moment when I was going through my my career that I left the 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 box if yep. you would you know and i started looking at things from the outside in and just really trying to get a grasp on my own mentality because not having that solid whilst the fluxes of life and having kids and losing fights and winning fights and getting titles and yada 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 would be keep me a bit, a bit rocky but i i understand probably more than anybody else that i'm not i'm not a cha championship fighter i'm not a thing i'm a warrior and this is what I do to provide for my family. And that's the identity that I have. And when my family doesn't need providing for anymore, when I've when I've set up those those companies like AX, when I've set up Alchemist Extracts, when I've set up my gym, when I've set my family up, then I can rest my tools, right? Yeah, that's but that's 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 uh that's not a fighter skill. That's a I don't know what skill that is. That's a that's a family and businessman skill. That's uh that says to me that you're not only a fighter, but you're in the business of fighting and, and using that business to set you up for something better, yeah, for a better life. Yeah, you have to be. Because we're just people as well, you know. And you recognize where you are. That, and that's pretty incredible, though, because uh, most people don't look at fighters like that. I mean, especially when you, you, you buy pay per view, you're watching on Fox, or watching on where you're watching. Um, you're just looking for the transactions. Like, oh, well, on Sunday, the wittiest fight, and so and so. I'm going to watch the, the you know, here's the, here's the, the card. I'm going to watch it. And then, then it's like, we walk away, mm -hmm. you win or lose, whatever the case may be, and we get on with our lives. Yeah. Um, and we never think much about that. Yeah. But you're not just a transaction. You no. might be my transaction from from <laughs> point of view. I would pay 59 yeah. bucks to watch you, but you're, you're got a life. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm going through the same things you are. Yeah, totally. I don't want to work tomorrow either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally. Yeah, but, but, but you're prepared to work for it and prepared to take risks in order to get to that position. You have to. You have to be. You know, it's funny, you know, um, I, I think, I don't know if it's true or not, but it's just, just something that struck me is a lot of the MMA, UFC <clears throat> fighters, I should say, who are at the top all seem to be pretty steady. It's pretty mm. steady individuals. Yeah, all got a goal, got an objective. I mean, and I love him. Like Ty, Ty to us, like you know, like he's a bit crazy, but like at the same time, he's got the same deal. Yeah, exactly the same deal. Family, build a brand, build a platform. You know, and in his case, got to be a business. But blah blah blah. Very different to the way boxers are. 
Mm. Boxers tend to be fighters as opposed to being in the business of fighting a lot of times. There are a few who do who, who survive it, but what is it about, do you think it is about MMA fighters that's different? I mean, I don't understand. I think, I think the brutality of the sport and the business is what kind of makes you aware of certain things and makes you harden yourself up and protect yourself a little bit more than the other sports do. It's, it's about, um, cause it's not going to get stopped. It's, you don't yeah, get standing eights and stuff like that. It's the nature of the beast. Yeah. You know, it, it's the fight could be over in seconds. Yeah. And you, you won't even know it over until you wake up. Yeah. You know, and just that, just that dynamic of getting your head around that, I think changes the way you approach it and the way you, or, or hopefully changes the way you approach it and the way you approach all of it as one, because you, you can do absolutely, especially in MMA, you can do everything right and still lose. Yeah, that's... And it's, uh, I think just that nature of the beast kind of, you know, weathers you a bit and you either like, unfortunately you either harden yourself and you get through it and you come out on top steady or you don't. So and in your and you see a lot a lot of the guys that don't. They, but the guys at the top, <clears throat> you guys seem to, pardon the phrase, but got your shit together. Like it looks like yeah. you're all pretty steady. You're, you know, there's no crazy stuff going on. You know what you're doing. I mean, even that McGregor, like uh, even though a lot of people talk about, like the guy did sell, did build a whiskey business, which yeah, partners and all sort of stuff. But they yeah. did sell it for hundreds of millions of pounds. Yeah, it's like he was smart. Yeah, I mean, my, people might not like the way his antics are now mm. and the way he carries on, etc. But at the end of the day, the guy's a big investor. He's got his act together and his family and all that other stuff. I mean, he does a bit, some weird stuff. I mm. get it, but still, again, done it pretty smart. He, he's worked his way through a process. He might have good advisors, I don't know, but he's gone through a good, pretty good process. Yeah, I mean, I've you know, I, you know I've had John Cavanaugh come in and actually sit in that chair, and and, and John. As you know, he's a coach, but John uh, goes through the the process of telling me how smart actually McGregor is. No, I'm sure he is, irrespective of the antics. It. And you and, and you can see it, but the antics itself take a certain level of smarts. Yeah, and then and then you need the talent and the wit behind it to back it up. Yeah, and uh, I think <clears throat> no one can argue with the success McGregor has had, and just. The balls to be able to do it. Yeah, totally balls. Yeah, and, right. and timing was good too because yeah. it was in the early stages. Exactly. I mean, but but but, and, but it, what it tells me from talking to you though, Rob, is that each one of the people who get to the top of your game where you can earn a good quid and you can establish a good um, platform, each one of you has sort of branded yourselves differently, no worse or less, just differently, yeah. based on who you are as an individual. You've chosen your path. You haven't thought, thought I've got to become him or I've got to become... Adesanya, or I've got to become whoever. I'm going to be Rob Whitaker, and this is this is me. Mm. And each one of you have sort of done the same sort of thing to me, and are comfortable with it, and are doing a really good, doing a great job of it. Yeah. Like and, and and but comfortable. Yeah, and I think that's like I think that's the ticket though. That's the secret. It's like be you. Yeah. Be you, and and if you change along the way, that's natural. Everybody changes, but don't try to be someone else. And you can see it when people are trying to be someone else. It just doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. The fans don't reciprocate it because they can see through the mask. Yeah. And I think it confuses you up here. If I'm going to be honest, I think the fighters that try to be someone else, it confuses them, and it's just not natural. And do your kids, do your boys, do um, 
jits or something. What are they yeah, doing? Something? Yeah, what are they, they, doing? They, they train at the gym as well. Do they? Yeah. What, are they what are they doing? What are you going to do? They do jujitsu, wrestling, yeah. wrestling and MMA. But yeah. primarily they do jujitsu. Uh, and do they okay. want to be dad? Oh, dude, I don't think they care. I don't think they, like, I honestly don't think the kids have any idea what it is I do for work. <laughs> but, they watch, but they watch it on time. Oh, they've seen me compete, but, yeah. like, I just don't think they get it yet. Yeah. Like, um. How old are your oldest again? My eldest is eight. He, he, he doesn't sort of quite. Not quite. Jerry, the, dad's fighting for, the, for money. For the first time, for the first time ever, the other day he had some friends over and he goes, he's speaking, he's speaking to his friend, he goes, hey, look, my daddy's famous. Like the first time yeah. ever, ever I ever heard that. It made me chuckle a little bit. And do you, do you have um, trophies and belts and all that sort of stuff in the joint? Not really. Uh -huh. like, nah. I, I don't, not, not around, not around my house. Yeah, yeah. I don't, don't really need to see that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, um. At the gym, there's a big picture of me holding the UFC title belt, a massive picture. And still, again, I don't think they. When you walk through, they don't get our oh, so yeah. that's, that's dad. Who cares? Yeah, it's just a picture of dad. It's like. And would you? But I mean, as a parent, I mean, I mean, all parents like this. Um, do you wish for your kids to have a, a different life to you? Do I mean? I don't mean as kids growing up, but if one of your boys said, or your daughter, daughters, one of your daughter to come as well, said, "Dad, I don't want to be a UFC fighter." Or just say to them, I'm always curious about that. No, oh, 100%. Like yeah, it's, you back them. Yeah, it's, my kids can do anything they want, as long as they're good people. Like, as long as their mum agrees. Yeah, yeah to a degree. <laughs> to a degree. <laughs> Mate, so can I, uh, final question, uh, when do we expect to see you again? In the octagon, it's hard to say. I the division, the middleweight division right now is tied up. It's, yep. it's tricky at the moment. Um, it's there's complex. A, there's, yeah, there's a lot of moving parts. You know, Perfect World, Strickland lost that fight, and I got to fight Strickland next. Yeah. But he won, and now I don't know what's going on. So who, who makes the matches? Uh, the, uh, Is it an automatic sort of ranking system? No, no, so there's a matchmaker for, like, I think middleweights and up, and yep. a matchmaker for, like, welterweights and down. Yep. And, um, yeah, he's, he's having trouble as well, trying to work out where the pieces fall because – what is it? Costa and Shemaev are supposed yep. to fight in a week or so. And then Costa's saying his elbow's sore. So who knows if it, that's even going to happen. Then there was a Delize and Cannoneer, but then we don't know what's happening with Strickland or thing. And then there's me and Drickus. I just lost to Drickus. So I need to, I need to beat someone to get so back you, into you, the top. So that's how it works. You need to beat someone to get back up. I believe so. Do, so like, do, you would you, think so. Do they know right? rematches into these things? Do they like? No, nah, not really. No, nah, that's not, not like really. boxing. So, 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 so you would you want to beat someone to get back to probably fight Drickers again, a rematch, or or yeah, or, or Israel, yeah, or Israel, or or just getting up there. Like I'm sure beating like the top contenders gets me in that title talk again. Because you know? I'd love to fight Drickus again, but I'm not. I reckon yeah. you and Arizona would sell big time because you lost the fight. So I reckon everybody's. That's what yeah. I hear talk, and I didn't, I'm not saying that I'm hearing that. That's what they want yeah. to do, but I hear people, fans, yeah. say it. You know, they 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 want to see this. Well, hang on a minute. Yeah. What what about if um uh, Whitaker's changed his style a little bit and sort of walks him down because it's been done, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and as you said earlier, puts him up against yeah. the fence. It's a it's a, it's a tricky position the the middleweight. All I know is that I'm I'm training my my butt off. I'm yep. training my butt off. Um, I'm going to be eight weeks ready whenever. Whenever get the call. Yeah, whenever whenever I get that call. Uh, baby's due in January. Yep. So, yeah, hope, hoping it's either 
it most likely going to be in like the February March timing, just because of the baby and yeah. They, they, do they put much on during December January? Generally, I think I think there's a few in October. I think November December there are cards. There's the John Jones card, that yeah, massive yeah, yeah. one. Yeah. Sometimes they put on like a, a Christmas, like a New Year's Eve card. If I'm not, right, I can't. But remember. I do know there's like a, a two week gap, and then they come back usually in Jan or something like that. Well, but you, then last... there might be even be an Australian card March. That'd be cool. I wouldn't. I went to Perth and went to Sydney. So, I mean, I, I missed I, out on the last one. So, yeah. Well, and you're, we just want to make sure it's after the baby's born, mate, because yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, we, yeah. Don't want, we don't want, we don't want to, we don't want the New Year's Eve card or the Christmas Eve card or anything like that. And we don't want it before just because we well, want your mind to be clear. And uh, Rob, I, I really appreciate you coming in. Um, I wish you the best of luck with Alchemist Extract. So, it's, did you call it AX? Yeah, it's AX. Yeah, AX. Uh, but alchemistextracts.com. You actually are like a, an Australian legend from you know from a five fans point of view, and you're one of the first to really kick it off. And from mm. in terms of Australians doing great things, and you've and you're still there. You're sustained. Like you've got a, you've had a long life in this game. Yeah, <laughs> I have. Yeah, a long life, and uh, that in itself is quite admirable. So I really appreciate you coming in, mate. No, All the thank best you here. so much for having me. It's great chat. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 